0: the volume nice and loud, because we are are controlling controlling transmission. Dawn Marie, you're in the mix with Lil' Drummer Girl, with your host, Dawn Dawn Marie. Marie, Hey, it's Domery here. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Little Drummer Girl. Today, I'm so thrilled because I have one of my favorite artists. Gwyneth Leach is in the house. She is well known for her artwork that is used on coffee cups, which has been exhibited widely as site-specific installations starting in 2011 in the window space for public art on West 39th Street and in my hometown of New York City in the Garment District. Her presence at work in the window was such a significant part of the project. That in the fall of 2011, the CUP project transferred to the Flatiron Pro Art Space on 23rd and Broadway and went on to England at Anthropology, which was actually the highlight of the London Design Festival. Gwyneth has studied at the Edinburgh College of Art in Edinburgh, UK. I am so excited just to get her on and get started, so let's get Gwyneth on the line. Hey, Gwyneth, how's it going?
1: Uh, Good morning. Yes, good here in New York City.
0: Yeah. Is it chilly out there today?
1: It is very cold, uh, but I'm sitting in my painting studio on the 13th floor of uh, our building on West 39th Street, and the radiator is cranking out heat. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I don't miss those chilly days.
0: (laughs) So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here today. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Well, I've been such a fan. Uh, My sister is also an artist, and she had sent me back in like 2013 the video from the the installation of the Anthropology exhibit, and I immediately fell in love with your work, and I was just in awe of the beauty and the transformation of what you've done with the coffee cups. Can I ask, how did you get started actually painting on coffee cups?
1: Well, it was really a chance encounter uh, with a paper cup when I just so much wanted to draw, and uh, I think I was at a part-time job of some sort, and I had this white paper coffee cup, and I just started to draw on the surface with a pencil, and I went, wow, this is, this is kind of cool, going all the way around the surface, and it takes the pencil really well. And then shortly after that, I had jury duty, and I was stuck in a room for three or four days um, with a lot of coffee cups, and I just went to town on that. I was trying different kinds of pens and uh, it just fascinated me. So one thing led to another, and 2010, I believe, is the year that I was in my studio every day, not painting, but drawing and then painting on coffee cups instead. Wow. So how did you end up at anthropology? Well, that was a, a very circuitous route. My studio is in the Garment District, and the Local uh, business improvement development office has various spaces that they have available for local artists to exhibit in. And as you mentioned in your intro, I was offered a window space on uh, it was West 38th Street, the window space for public art in the garment district. And I put up 300 cups or so in the window space, and that went very well. And from there, it went to the Prowl Art Space the Flatiron Building, and I was in the window drawing for five months, at the end there were 850 cups or something like that. And that work was blogged about and photographed very widely. It was right at the start of Instagram, so there were Instagram photos of that installation taken by people passing by and it circulated around the world. And one thing led to the other, I became so well known that my high school asked me to come back and address an alumni gathering. <laughs> so now I know I'm famous, right? My high school was like, I'm back. So okay. I went back to my high school in Philadelphia thinking that uh, I would have a great reception and there'd be lots of people there to listen to me talk. And there were in fact, five people in the room. Oh, and no. it, was, it was one of those moments where I had to overcome my, um, my initial disappointment. And I gave a, A PowerPoint presentation I really gave it my all even though I had little hippie fit inside like the diva well they didn't come to hear me but I gave it a great presentation and there were these five people in the room I knew them all except for one and at the end she came up to me and she said here's my card call me if you would like to work together sometime and she was an executive from anthropology Wow I was completely floored because I had actually been admiring anthropology um, at that time and for several years had been thinking I really need to connect with them and people kept suggesting it and I even phoned them at one point and didn't get anywhere and to have it come around that way it was just so surprising it just really was an example to me that you never know who's going to be in the room you can never be too proud or too mighty to address the few people that really want to hear about what you do, should always value every opportunity, and give it your best, just <laughs> you never know. And so that I love that. Led, sorry, yeah. So that led to that amazing opportunity with anthropology. Wow. So you actually were sitting
0: in the window, and you were just drawing them, you had them installed. So did you take the ones that you already made from the states and bring them there, or did you just start from scratch and start a whole new collection?
1: I, I brought them with me because I was actually only in the window for the week of the London Design Festival that year, and, uh, which I think was 2013. So I brought 365 cups wow. in the window because I wanted to make manifest what we throw away. So I, I love that. Talk about recycling art, you know? That's, that's just amazing. Yeah, so I was saving all the cups that I drank from, and I write on the bottom where I bought the coffee cup or who I was with. It was just a little diaristic. I love that. It kind of grew and grew. Um, But anthropology, once I made the connection with the executive from anthropology, she put me in touch with the art and design buyer who's based in New York. And he had actually already seen my exhibit at the Flatiron and had photographed it. (laughs) it So it was like many roads were leading to anthropology at that time. And so we did um, a two-year collaboration of producing ceramic cups. I did two collections for them. And it was a great learning experience. I had a really, a lot of fun. And they, I sold out all those cups. So they- That's
0: wonderful. And it just goes to show you, I think, you know, once you put something out into the universe, it's something that you want. And- like you said, it just came back to you in a different way, but it took some time and it just showed up at your door. <laughs> so it's just, it really is it, impressive.
1: It, it did. And I, I asked her, how did you, how on earth did you come to be here? Well, she was a mom at the school and she happened to read the, alum, the school website saw this alumni talk. And I had included links to in my blog, my website, and she had gone and looked at them. And she was very impressed with what she saw and that's why she came. So, all the work that I had done in terms of using all those social media tools that are available to artists now to tell my story in my own way in many different avenues, that's what paid off. She, she had that to look at and that's what persuaded her to come and see me in person. This is mind-boggling. I love social media, and I keep saying everyone—you
0: know—who is an artist or an entrepreneur—and if they're not on social media, that they really must get on there. I mean, I fought getting on there for a while because I like my privacy and things like that. But I realize, like, no, you, you just have to. It's, just, it's like it's like you're not breathing anymore if you're not on it right now. So um,
1: I know it's a, it's a, for me now. It's a kind of a love hate relationship. I was very excited about it at first, and then it starts to feel of a burden sometimes and an obligation. I think what's really important is to remember to get off social media and go and meet people face-to-face. True, it's becoming a lost art form. Right. So to um, give talks about your work, go to events and go to other artists' openings, go into art galleries to meet people for coffee, to actually write physical letters to people, notes and cards, instead of just living in the digital realm, I think is is very important. So you you have both. You have the tools, the publishing tools that... Social media provide for artists, but then to remember, be in the real world. I, <laughs> I agree with that, and I still love writing
0: a hand thank you card. And people are like, oh my God, you sent me a thank you card. <laughs> I'm like, well, what is that? It's almost like you know, people just forget that. Yeah, you know, there was pen and paper. You know, and I still love <laughs> writing things down. Like even just my date. Day, you know, things to do lists. I still like to write them down because I feel like when you do write stuff down, it almost crystallizes and, and it really formulates something that I can't explain and makes things come to reality. And it's like one thing when you're typing it on a computer, but when you actually write things, I just, I just love pen and pen and paper.
1: I agree. In fact, I do these. My to do lists are kind of elaborate, almost like drawings where. I start with a central idea on a page, and then it radiates out in all different directions. It's nonlinear, and sort Oh, wow. Of sort of, I mental map around the problem uh, mm. without, without putting it into a hierarchy. So, you know, you have your little, I don't know what it is, in the middle exhibit, and then all the arrows coming off in different directions about you know, where I'd like that to be or who I need to contact or what I need to do next, and it, it ends up being like a drawing on the page. Um, I love that. It sounds like you have another exhibit right there. <laughs> yeah, so it's a it's a a rich experience to use pen and paper. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I have. Uh, they came out with these huge
0: post-it note pages. I don't know if you've seen them or not. They're they're like, I can't even, I don't even know what the dimensions are, but they're so huge. It's like, I put them in my office or my studio and I just put it, the same thing with the mind mapping on, you know, what i what my goals are, what I need to do, how do I accomplish them. And, and they're just great because you could just, they peel off and you could stick them up on the wall. And it's just like... My my room is just covered now with these huge Post-it notes of all the things I have to do,
1: It's
0: overwhelming when you see I'll it. i to look out for
1: that. I have to go find
0: those. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll email you the uh, the name of them and the size so that you can. I think I got them uh, at Staples. I think is where I got them. Mm-hmm. But these are great, and they come in different colors. It's just, it's just wonderful. So, how old were you? I mean, you have this. Huge linear in your family line of artists uh, from your grandmother, uh, who was a uh, published illustrator and poet, and your mom who was there uh, she trained at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. How did that inspire you, and how young were you when you first started doing artwork?
1: I think I was probably drawing before I could walk <laughs> oh, wow. as, long as, as long as long ago as I can remember, um, certainly before I was writing, and um, drawing was the most natural and and for most children, it is. They, they, they draw before they read or write. And then they lose it often once they can learn how to write to stop drawing. But I didn't. It was just very much my main way of expressing myself. And I was good at it. And that was valued in my family. So I was encouraged. And my mother was an educator. She did teacher training. She taught for a while in high school. But she didn't continue in the public sphere. But as a private person, she taught so many kids or cousins were in our house learning how to make art and to put on plays and puppet shows in the backyards and when I was a little older she took me and my sister to evening art classes at the Flaischer Art Memorial in Philadelphia. So it was just part of the family and my grandmother was a puppet maker and she taught in the Philadelphia Recreation Department and we went to her wow. classes when we were very young. So puppet shows and sculpture and building things and drawing things and painting things was just what we did. That is um, so wonderful. Oh. So my, my detour was when I went to university for four years and didn't study art. At that point, I thought I need to be serious. My father was a professor in the law school. So my sister and I both went to the University of Pennsylvania where he was a professor and they didn't have an undergraduate fine arts degree. So I was oh. being serious and studying um, French and anthropology. And I was really miserable. <laughs> I was so, <laughs> so, so unhappy. And I realized along the way that I, I just had to go to art school. So in my senior year, I applied for a fellowship that would let me go to art school. And it, it took me to um, Edinburgh College of Art in the UK. So it was the James Fellowship. So that's how I ended up studying over there.
0: So how did you find, um, I'm thinking you're a young lady and you're living in another country. Were you by yourself at that point? I was. I mean, that must be a little nerve-wracking, I would say, you know, because I know just going to Europe, but as a young person, it was just like, I'm in a foreign land, (laughs) you know, like, it's scary. Um, How did you acclimate to living in a different country with different customs and things like that?
1: Well, it helped that they speak English, and I do have family that came from Scotland long, long ago. Most of my family are British Isles. So from that, at that level, it felt comfortable. I was just so happy to be in art school at Edinburgh College of Art. I was just thrilled to finally be in art school. So that carried me a long way in terms of being comfortable and just being with my peers. And one of the things that I've always done is choral singing. I started in a church choir when I was nine. My dad took me and my sister to the church, uh, church in Philadelphia, and we sang in the children's choir. And I did that some in college. And when I went to Edinburgh, I joined uh, the Edinburgh University Singers, and that's where I met a young man who eventually became my husband. Oh wow! So that that was a great way to get acclimated. <laughs> <laughs> so, was he originally from England? He's from Scotland, from Iowa. and we eventually got married after quite a quite a number of years. And in we had our first daughter in Scotland, and then in 1999, uh, came back to the state, moved to New York, and. We had a second child, and now he's a naturalized American citizen.
0: Oh, wow. So, <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah.
1: So my, um, my husband and my, and my older daughter are both immigrants, and our second child was born in New York, so we're New Yorkers, too. <laughs> I love that.
0: That's just pretty amazing. Uh, can, so can your son actually get dual
1: citizenship because of the,
0: the history there?
1: Uh, the daughters? Yes, they can. And so far, we all have American passports, so the girls could could use their British passports. But so far, we're using U.S. passports. Very cool. Are they also artists? My younger daughter, uh, who has Down syndrome, is very into musical theater, and she's in the uh, high school program um, at Rosie's Theater Kids. Rosie O'Donnell set up this incredible program for public school kids to learn musical theater art. So Grace does that. She sings and dances and she acts of tap dancing and modern and jazz. And she does ballroom at the weekends as well. So she's all about performing arts. And my older daughter is a senior in college studying civil engineering. Wow. Uh, spends a lot of time doing ultimate That's what she's very devoted to. Seeing that, that is so cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I went to a, a ball field and I'm like, what are they playing? Like, what is
1: that? <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband, David, uh, worked in film and television. He's an audio post production mixer. Oh, that's great. Right. It's also in the city? Yes. Oh, nice. He's done, he did that in Scotland at Travis Television, but uh, he did in New
0: York. I, I have to give kudos to the editors of the world because I didn't know how. Complicated it was until I started doing just my own editing for the podcasting and video, and I'm thinking, oh okay <laughs> this is not yeah. this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be, you know, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it really is. And, uh, and it's so tedious, and sometimes it just, you know, I start to visit because it's like, I want it done yesterday. <laughs> so that yeah. New Yorker, I'm um, definitely going to have a lot of patience for it. So, I mean, I, I recently watched your uh, documentary, the, the Monolith, and it's just amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how you guys started with that?
1: I'm very happy to. That film project, that documentary film project, came out of having coffee regularly with my next-door neighbor, Angelo Guzmielmo, who is a filmmaker we sit in his kitchen, have coffee, and talk about our current projects, struggles, and adventures. And eventually he said, I want to make a documentary about your story. And the story he was referring to was the fact that they had built a 40-story building right outside the window of my studio on Ferdinand Street. And the view from my window had, before the building, had been a source of inspiration to me. And in 2015, they started digging foundations and thought, oh, no, I'm going to lose this view. So initially, I thought, I, I have to leave. I can't bear to be here while this happens. I was very upset, and I knew it would be noisy and disruptive. And then I said, no, so I think I'm going to stay and and see this, because they're building all over the city. And here I have a front row seat, as it were, to watch the whole construction project process from foundation up. And so that's what I did. And at first, I was drawing what I saw on cups when it was very far down below me, I'm on the 13th floor. It was way down below. But then it got bigger and bigger as it came up. And I moved to larger pieces of paper and then canvases and bigger and bigger canvases. So it was a whole process, a whole progression in my work as the building was going up. And I moved away from the art on top back to uh, working on paper and canvas. And Angelo was very interested in the whole story. And paralleling that was a family tragedy. Um, My sister got depressed and in 2015 and in the i'm sorry it was in 2016 i'm losing track of time um but she took her own life and so i was grieving with from that as well as grieving the loss of you. um so there were parallels with trying to cope with the family loss and my transformation of perspective with the what i came to be called the monolith outside my window that's what i called it so That's how the film came about. It was very organic, and I decided to go with it when Angela said let her that into a documentary. It was
0: so beautiful. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes. So for you listeners out there, please be sure to check the show notes so that you can see this amazing transformation. It's just beautiful. Thank you. I know how you feel about construction in New York because um, (laughs) I remember there was an art installation. I can't remember the artist, and he did that with the orange flags through Central Park probably in in it was in like 2003 or something like that and <laughs> i i refused to go see it because all i saw were the orange construction cones <laughs> so yes. i said if he could only have put the Colors, different colory flags. You know, I would love to see it, but I just refuse to see it because construction. You know, when you see construction, it just stops everything that you're doing. It, you know, the traffic gets horrendous, and there's all these different downs falls to, to the construction. And um, I love the the way you turned that around and actually made it into a beautiful thing.
1: I I saw that Chris uh, that project in Central Park, uh, the gate by Christo and Jean Claude. Uh, that was his name. Yes. Yeah, it was really inspiring in such a strange way. It made you see the, the shape of things. But I guess I feel that way when I look at these buildings being built now. You really see inside way more interesting than when the building is actually finished.
0: <laughs> it's true. I've, I've watched a few go up, and they really are stunning. And, and it just amazes me how quickly they can do it. And, you know, all the work that it takes to get it done and, and everything is just so meticulously planned out. And- it's amazing.
1: and it's, it's fast. They throw up these structures. And the finishing inside takes a long time. But once they finish the pay, the building right outside my window, I started going out with an easel around Midtown Manhattan. And now I'm documenting a whole lot of other construction sites in the Hudson Oh, Garden that's and awesome. And uh, on West 3rd Street, and now there's a huge structure going up, like Grand Central Station. So there's no shortage of material. <laughs> So let me ask you, Gwyneth, are you
0: ready for the 11-stroke rapid fire interview?
1: Yes. Awesome. Yes, I am. All
0: right. What's your favorite paint company?
1: Winsor & Newton. Golden Acrylic Paint and Media are used for uh, underpainting. Your favorite?
0: Paint brushes,
1: And I don't have a specific company for brushes. When I go to the art store, I just look at all the brushes and, and choose the ones that please me. Awesome. Your favorite food? Sushi. Dine-in or take-out? Dine-in.
0: <laughs> Your favorite travel spot? Could be Miami Beach. Sweet. Your favorite person awesome. to hang out with?
1: My husband, David Wilson.
0: <laughs> and your favorite pastime?
1: Drawing and drinking
0: coffee. <laughs> your favorite genre of music? Classical. One thing you can't live without?
1: Oh, uh, I'm going to have to say my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Most, mostly because it has a camera. I can't live without my camera.
0: I hear you on that one. If you could be reincarnated as any famous person, who would it be?
1: I'm trying to choose between Michelangelo like or Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, that's a toughie. What is your biggest pet peeve? Sorry, my biggest pet peeve? Yes. Uh, traffic backed up trying to get into the Lincoln Tunnel that <laughs> my entire neighborhood. Yes, I remember it well. <laughs> I have to say I don't miss it either. Thank you so much for playing that. So uh, do you have any shows that are coming up? I do. I'm going to be exhibiting my paintings the construction site at the Kaufman Arcade, which is a public arcade on West 36th Street. at 132 West 36th Street, and that will open on February 16th and run through March 31st. So I'll be showing about twenty recent paintings that I've done on a list going up and other construction sites around the city. So I think you should come up from Florida to see it. I would love that. <laughs> I may have to find a way.
0: <laughs> if not, I hope that you're going to do like a video or something on it so that you can forward it out there and, and I'll get to see it that way. I will do that. Okay, cool. Um, I'll make sure I put that link to that as well in the show notes. How can our listeners stay in touch with you? I know you said you're on social media. What is your, um, your tag and handle for, for that?
1: So I am Gwyneth Leach. G-W-Y-N-E-T-H-L-E-E-T-H on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And my website is GwynethLeach.com. You can see what I'm up to there. Okay, perfect. And I'll make sure I put the links to
0: that as well. Thank you so much for having this call with me today. I really, um, I can't wait to see your future works. And I'm so excited that you actually just were able to, to do this show. So thank you again.
1: That's great. And I'll send you email for Angela DiViamo, the, the director, and Rosie Walnut, the editor, if you want to follow up with them. Absolutely. I would love to reach
0: out to them and... Um, see if I can get them on the show as well. That would be wonderful. I will put everything in the show notes so that you know people can stay in touch with you and follow you, and hopefully those that are in New City, they can drop in and check out your exhibit. Thank you, Glennon. Thank you. And I want to thank all your listeners out there for listening today because I wouldn't have a show without you. So thank you for being here. And if you like this episode, please Please share it with your friends and anyone you may find that have any interest in this as well. And subscribe because that means a lot to me. And remember, it's never too late to begin to live the life of your dreams and leave the trail blazing behind you. So rock on and rock out, and I'll catch you on the flip side.